again for another episode of the young millionaire training podcast once again i have another special guest i guess all my guests special but this one right here this is my brother okay this is my brother this is one of the people i talk to on the phone when we get on the phone that the funny thing about me talking to tron is we don't talk on the phone more and it has nothing to do with our relationship it's just we both busy and we don't be having two hours to sit and talk to each other and we know we're gonna talk for two Max. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm gonna call him. I like, okay, let me just get somewhere where I can sit still, and then I'm gonna call him, and then he be busy, and then he do the same thing to me, and we back and forth. But nah, that's my brother, man. We got a, a big treat in today, so I haven't done an episode on credit as of yet officially, but I wanted to bring in my credit expert, my homie here, Tron. He's a husband, a father. Y'all know how I am about the husbands and fathers, especially in the black community. Most of my guests have been black husbands, black fathers, or just fathers in general, whatever the case may be, because I like to highlight that, try to break down that stereotype that somehow there aren't black fathers and husbands. And I would like all my friends are black fathers and husbands, active fathers and husbands, not just yes, sir. there. So Tron, man, Army vet, I appreciate your service, brother on that driven financial consulting services i met tron probably what three four years ago i don't even know how long three four maybe five yeah years man ago. before COVID, for sure yeah somewhere before COVID. i don't COVID got my time frames messed up man so i don't know but man this brother right, man right. he's great intelligent like i told y'all before i think jarell was my last interview before him it's not often that I talk to people who know just as much about money or even more than I do, especially in some of the credit space, because we want to be talking business credit a little bit today, personal credit, all those different things. It's not often that I talk to people who know more than I do, but this brother operates in it every day. So I'm sure he knows some stuff that I do not know. So with that being said, no further ado, my brother, John Tron. So John, tell him a little bit about who you are, brother. Yes, sir. First off, man, thank you so much for even allowing me the opportunity to be on your platform. It's an honor and a privilege. Just like you said, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I have a beautiful 13-year-old who's high-spirited, keep me on my toes. Man, my wife, she's my backbone, but more so myself, man. I am, honestly, man, I'm a student, brother. I'm Actually, a student, bro, you know? I don't want to cut you off. I forgot to say something. I was supposed to say this. But my man just had a birthday. Happy birthday. He just oh, yeah, I was yeah. supposed to say that and I forgot it. Happy birthday. Man, so look, big if y'all three talk out. to him. Yeah, if y'all talk to him, holler at him, tell him happy birthday. He just had a birthday at the beginning of August. My bad, brother, but go ahead. I'm gonna say it's that. all good. We're gonna grow now. <laughs> <laughs> Chill, bro. But yeah, man, humble beginners, man. You grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. straight out of the projects, man. The hood, home of the first 48, what they call it. Join the military. Mm-hmm. At 17, had my first birthday, my first, what, what was it, my 18th birthday in basic training. Did that for nine years before I was medically retired. Ended up spending some time man, in the financial space, probably really more, man, for the last eight, nine years or so. Being in real estate, being in options trading, being a financial advisor for a few years, then actually segueing out of that really just because I didn't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And ended up falling into a world of depression, truth be told. Because I was really trying to find you, like, what is it that I'm really passionate about? What is it that I'm really trying to do? 
And I was really trying to figure that out, man. And it just, it really spiraled down for a number of months. Like it was like a eight month long, just depression that ended up landing me in a position, man, where I almost went bankrupt. Went from having excellent credit, 730 plus type scores, man, to down to the 480 some, seven, eight years of savings wiped out, man, like just went through a massive amount of hell in a matter of months. I was trying to save a business that was already dying that I should have let go. It just spiraled out of control until I got to a point where I was able to turn it around before actually having to go through with like filing bankruptcy and all of that stuff. Turned that situation around, man. And then a few months in it, it got to a point where like, man, my wife was considering buying a house and stuff. So I'm like, okay, let me really start to lock in on my credit and get it right. And I had a company, man, who I'm, I was very well connected with, but I was like, I feel like I need to learn this thing for myself. You know what I mean? And so what I did was instead of hiring that company, I went on a journey myself of trying to fix it. Hire coaches, man. I did trainings. I bought courses. I found out that it was so much bad information out there, man. Absolutely. This went on for a year straight. Mm -hmm. This went on for a year straight of just trash information, bad experiences, mm -hmm. people not telling the full story. And then I decided to really dive into it, man, and learn it for myself from the laws, studying regulations, man, and all of these different things. I was able to turn my situation around. Fortunately enough, we was able to buy our first home. And it's a dope enough. crib. It's a dope crib yeah. too, y'all. Look, it's hey, a dope. I'm, I'm grateful, brother. We are sitting in my office now, man, on the other side of that story. And from there, man, my company was born from really me fixing my situation and then teaching people what I learned in the process. And so I had people who was adamantly, man, I knew from nowhere, reaching out to me, asking me like, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? I heard you say something in Facebook groups, truth be told. I decided to take on a couple of his clients. And then I was like, if I already know I'm going to be locked into helping this person for the next three, six months or however long, I may as well make this a business, man. The next thing you know, the company was born, man. And shoot, it's, the rest is history, brother. No, absolutely, bro. Thank you for that. So the kind of first thing I want to segue into. So listeners, y'all know one of the things that I will often talk about, which is why I have not done the credit episode yet, because I wanted to really build a, a strong foundation for people before I really even started touching the credit piece for most people. So y'all heard me say something similar to credit repair isn't real. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about people like John, my brother Trone. The reason why I have Trone here is because I know that he actually does it the correct way. But if you just heard him say he got a year with dealing with all these coaches, getting bad information, getting stuff that they don't even really know what they're talking about, just to be very blatant about it. They just I don't know if they just pull it from the grapevine. I don't even know where they get it from, bro. Maybe I have no idea. I, man, you'd be surprised. Some of the inside of secrets I know <laughs> at this point. You Matter of fact, yeah. you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You'd be disgusted. Yeah, you would be disgusted. Man, I am. Because when I say it's not real, what I'm referring to, the one thing, and I'm going to elaborate on this. So the one thing that I don't necessarily like about a lot of people's credit repair processes is they somehow make people think that because it's not on your credit report that you don't somehow still owe it or mm -hmm. that you don't have to address it. So whenever I talk to people about it, I'm saying address each debt. I didn't say pay it. I said address it <laughs> in some way. Don't just assume because as far as if you owe an AT&T phone bill, as far as AT&T concerned, you owe that phone bill, whether it's on your credit or not. And right. that's what's different with Tron is he actually is going to address each piece about it, each piece or each account, as opposed to just 
let me put a mask on you and make you look like you have good credit when you really haven't done anything. So, Bo, tell me a little bit about what makes your process different than the average credit repair company. First and foremost, brother, I tell people all the time, taking negative items off your credit report, man, is not what actually improves your score. It can add some benefit. But like you said, man, credit repair in and of itself is not really a thing. What people really need, bro, is coaching. They need to know what matters. They need to know data points. It's all the boring stuff, man, that nobody really wants to hear. Most people are on some, hey, can you get rid of my student loans? Or can you take off these collections or whatever? Or I got these repos. Can you get that off so my credit will be right? And it don't work like that. Now, the unfortunate side about that, man, is when you get into the educating part of it, a lot of people there in these mindsets to where they just want the thing that they want to use the credit for. And they're not looking at it like a long-term play. And something, man, that I love that you say all the time is really like a personality test. It's a habit track is what it is. Absolutely. And man, and we know a, a personal basis, bro, the score does not matter. Nope. It does not matter. And people nope. refuse to believe that's true. Yeah, Don DeMarco, right there. <laughs> I got. I need to break out. Oh, I didn't look. I didn't tell y'all, bro. Trone is a great speaker. He gonna drop some gems for y'all. So y'all need to take out y'all pen and pad. I'm actually meant to tell you that because we're gonna we're gonna address that. Go ahead and finish. It's gonna that. get I, heavy. I needed to bring out my my mixtape. I mean my battle rap button. <laughs> Don DeMarco, the score hey. does not matter. It don't, man. It does not matter. Not nearly the way that people think it does. And the thing about it is, yeah, you want to be in a certain range to where you can get certain benefits and perks. But here's the cheat code, man, that a lot of people don't know. The score itself really only determines the interest rate and the amount that you could be approved for. Now, when it comes to the score, that's really where it comes down to you actually being approved. It's like people in real estate all the time. They be like, oh, don't come to, don't come to me unless you got a pre-approval letter, blase, whatever. I've seen people with pre-approval letters get denied. Mm -hmm. And even the loan officers sometimes, unfortunately, they don't know because after it passes them, they go to underwriting. And what they're looking for is the story in the score. Absolutely. And specifically around what does your last 24 months look like? They want to see what that last 24 months look like. What are your most high limit accounts that you have? How have you managed those things? They want to see your store. They want to be able to see what the data tells about you over. And people do not want to hear that. So when I be telling people, it's not really necessarily about fixing your credit, so to say, but teaching you how to manage credit and really manage your finances all about in, in short. So that way you can avoid getting denied, period, by having good habits. But again, bro, that's one of the most difficult things to get through no. people's head because they just want to get the car. They want to get the house. They want to get the loan. But it's the long term play, brother. It's the long term play. Spot on, bro. Spot on. So reiterating on that piece, because when I talk about it, I always say, think about it from a working out standpoint or a weight loss standpoint. There's nothing that you can do to impact your weight without impacting your habits. Okay, mm -hmm. like you can't like now look, Tron caught diesel. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all big diesel. Tron <laughs> be in the gym. If look, matter of fact, make sure y'all go follow all his social media. And I'm gonna go over that before. However, if you see him, 
bro, you get your credit and he's going to get you right physically. Okay. Him and his wife, they be yeah, in the gym. So I say that because with the score, because people, I want an 800. Okay. So you can't get that 800 without dealing with those individual accounts. There's mm-hmm. nothing you do. I said, what you need to do is stop worrying about the score and make sure that every account is as healthy as possible. Exactly. And the score will come with that. And the same thing with weight loss. If you say, bro, a 200, you say somebody weigh 200 pounds, that doesn't tell me anything. Is that 200 pounds of muscle? Is that 200 pounds of fat? And even right. if it is out of shape, 200 pounds, you can't go in the gym and say, which machine will get me to 150? You were like, no, I got to mm-hmm. work my legs. I got to work my arms. I got to work my core. I got to work all these different pieces into each individual piece. And ultimately, <laughs> that brings me where I'm trying to in that same scenario bro like i think about this all the time especially when it comes to working out because it's such an easy thing to see when you put it together in that way it's let's say you've never been to the gym before you're like hey i want to be able to bench press 300 pounds or whatever the first thing is you have to have the habits of a person who can lift 300 pounds but what you don't know is that you're probably going to suck first before you get good you're going to have to be somebody who can be trained, who can be consistent, somebody who's probably going to go through some soreness and you're going to have to be consistent over time and go through all these different things. Before you get to that point, you have to be willing to commit to the process. You can't just pop up and be like, hey, give me this protein or this supplement or whatever. And I'm going to go ahead and throw that thing up because what you fail to realize, you leave yourself susceptible to injury, hurting yourself, man, all types of stuff, possible death anything that's a lot of weight on you you know what i'm saying but you have to become the person who can not only grow into that thing be it lifting a lot of weight be it having a certain score but then you also have to have the make the habits that helps you maintain it it's really all about how can i not only get this thing but know the habits that are required to build it and then be able to sustain it over long periods of time and knowing what it is that i need to do what i need to feed myself how I need to pay accounts, how I need to manage individual accounts. Those are the things, knowing what the data points are, how to manage those data points, knowing about your payment history, your, your on-time payments, your new credit, your inquiries, your utilization, all of them have their own formula and you need to know what it takes to manage those things so you can maximize the score. And people like be here like, oh, I want an 800, 850. And unfortunately, what you don't know is, man, by the time you cross 730, 750, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all the same. It's all the same. Like your rate is not going to get any better. You cross 750, boss, you've won. Mm-hmm. You have completely won. Like you're not going to get anything different. It's a vanity score at that point. Oh, I just want it so I could say that I have it. Mm-hmm. And people don't be wanting to hear that, man. And it's the fact that there's such a lack of education in the, in, in the community of credit because everybody, they preach this message, man, and say, oh, we can remove bankruptcies. We could do all of that. Man, I have clients, bro, truth be told, truth be told, where we literally have to remove, we have to wipe the entire profile blank because they've managed it so bad over the last decade or two decades or whatever. Now you have to start over. And the unfortunate part, man, is that's going to take time because when you starting with a, from a clean slate, everything matters, man. And something I be telling people all the time, bro, is be careful of who you take advice from when it comes to this. And especially just because you have a mom or dad or an auntie 
or a good friend who has great credit or, or excellent credit, mm-hmm. that does not mean that they know anything about credit. It don't mean that at all. Because some people, man, they've had it their whole life and they just have it. Whatever the habits are that they were groomed with, it served them up to a point. But man, don't nobody know less about it than a person with excellent credit who's never had bad credit, had to build that boy back up from scratch. Unless you're in a field where you practice it and you're seeing it and you're helping it and you're involved in it on a regular basis. But just because somebody has excellent credit don't mean that they know anything about it because this game changes regularly. But the only thing that is consistent are the habits that it takes in order to get it and to keep it and to be able to sustain it over long periods of time. So if you focus on that, you can't lose. You Mm -hmm. can't lose no matter what FICO model that changes out of the 52 or probably 53 now. If you had the great habits models now, and listen, brother, bro, it's about 52 different Uh, FICO versions right now. Stop and explain that to people because I did not even know that one myself. Tell them about the different models for credit reports. Right. So when you look at it, man, you have a number of different models, right? And then, so the ones most people are typically aware of are going to be Advantage 3.0. These are the scores that you see on your credit karmas and your other free credit monitoring sites and stuff. It's going to be the Advantage 3.0. And which is cool because it gives you a really clear picture of what it looks like on a surface level. It's only good for that, like data points, right? Now, but you also have your FICO scores, a, a score that was created by the Fair Isaac Company. And the thing about that is those are typically used by most, actually 95% of lenders. Now, there's also Advantage 4.0 that's actually used primarily by like credit unions, small credit unions and stuff like that, which is more so of an internal score. You won't see that most places. However, Advantage 4.0 is typically better than your Advantage 3.0 and sometimes your FICO scores. Now, when you get into the FICO model, you get into a whole nother realm of credit because now, even though what you're looking for is to have high scores in certain categories, this is why if you pay attention to the primary data points, you can't lose because you have your mortgage scores, which is your two, four, and five. Mm -hmm. You have your auto scores, which is also two, four, and five. However, they gauge different data points within those scores very differently. You have loan scores, you have auto loan scores, you have revolved credit card scores. There's so many different scores. And what they do is they take like payment history. They take your your on-time payments, your utilization, the accounts that you've applied for, and they gauge them internally different. So let's say on a FICO 8 is your payment history is 35. Your utilization is 30. Over here, on let's say your auto scores, your payment history may be something like 40%. And then your utilization may be something more so like 10, 20%. And so all of it starts to gauge very differently. And so there's no way to actually really try to dial in and fix that one model score, which is why if you focus on the baseline data points, you cannot lose regardless of the micro, be advantage, be it FICO, be it any model. If you focus on knowing the data points and treating it like it's something that's valuable and having the good habits that support it, you cannot lose. 
And that's the long-term play, man. And also the difference in the scores. But again, man, it's information that you can't learn this stuff in schools. Yeah, no, I agree, bro, because typically when I'm explaining that to people, I said, this is the reason why when you get, you apply for something and you win and check credit karma, and then you apply for your mortgage, you apply for your car. What credit karma said, number one, this is why credit karma is different. It's a totally different model. You have all these different models and just kind mm-hmm. of reiterating what Trom said. And because you have these different models, it's meant to take in the nuances of what you're applying for and of people. So one of the examples I normally give with this strong, I said, let's say you have an 18 year old. They've been 18 for about six or seven months on their 18th birthday. They got their very first credit card. It has a $5,000 limit and they have the correct habits on it. Right. They keep the utilization low, everything paid on time. Then let's say you have, and all they have is that one credit card. Then let's say you have a 72 year old, they're debt free. And all they have now is that one credit card. And with the same as that credit card, same $5,000 limit, same type of good habits behind it. But this 72-year-old has owned five houses. They've owned six cars. They've done just tons of stuff. Is it necessarily fair for them to have the same credit score? Because they're not the same person and they're not. Yes, it's the same habits, but is it really the same habits? And so these different models take some of these different things into nuance, depending because if I have this 72-year-old with this one credit card and I have this 18-year-old with one credit card and they're applying for a mortgage, that's really not the same applicant. No, not <laughs> like even. That is not and they could have the exact same score and they'll look that completely different. <laughs> exactly. And that's completely what he's referring different. to when he says the score doesn't matter so much. It's that exactly. story behind the score. No, I, I really you'll see people, that. man, they have five accounts, man, and they're like, oh, I got a 750. Boss, you have a weak 750. <laughs> and any underwriter is going to see that and try to go over there and apply for that 200, 300, 400,000 dollar house. They're going to look at you crazy with your 750 because you have no proof that you are a credible and a worthy lent well borrower over time. And this is why the ideal, the minimum positive accounts that you want to have on your credit profile is seven. Mm-hmm. That's bare minimum. You want to have seven positive accounts with each beery. Ideally, you want to be at 10 plus every beery and you want to have at least four or five years of good history. That takes time to build out. Now, there are some ways you can inflate the score. There are some ways that you could do some things or whatever if you got some bread. However, like we said before, man, those two borrowers are going to be looked at completely different and through a completely different lens when they get down to the details. That's really good advice there, bro. So in the same vein of credit, speaking about you talking about when you only have five accounts or less or like a week. So when somebody wants to start up credit, so like you were talking about, you had to blank somebody out. We just cleared all the way out. What's the first move that you tell them for starting up their credit? First thing I'm going to tell anybody, man, in a situation like that, is always go for the revolving accounts, the secured accounts, the secured credit cards, secured loans, stuff like that, man, because it's stuff that you can completely control. And really, all you're trying to do is just manage it well over a period of time. Also, not to mention the fact with credit cards is you're hitting the most data points possible. So with a credit card, you get the payment history, you get the age. As long as you keep the account open, you're getting that account older. You can keep your utilization low. Now you're getting a good credit mix, which is another 10 percent 
when you open it up, there's new credit. With credit cards, you hit every data point. And the longer you have them and you keep them open, you're, you're literally making them stronger. Now, granted, there are different tiers of the value of credit cards, but that's irrelevant when you're starting out. The only thing that matters is that you have them and that you graduate them as you continue to grow. It's like a marriage. And in doing so, I always say, hey, you know what? Go for the security account. Go for the accounts to where you can get the account and get no inquiry because there are accounts like you don't want to run up too many inquiries and different things like that. But there are accounts out there where you can get them and you can apply for them and they don't impact you at all. There's all types of credit building products. It's 2022. A lot of people are in this game now. So you can be able to get five different accounts added to your credit profile with no hard inquiry, maintain those things for about six months or so. Then go to, let's say, like another plate. I'm going to give you some sauce, man. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So let's say you go over here and you get something like a secure card with Discover, right? Boom, that gets you in the door. Now you go back and you open up something like a self-lender account, which is going to give you a personal loan, but also it's going to be able to allow you to be able to build up some history over time. That's going to take you into, the, into that realm. And you open up something like a kickoff account. Kickoff is another revolving line of credit that you can also use that comes with no inquiry. You can also like, let's say, if you have an auto loan or something like that, that's going to work into your favor. You open up a bank account. Most people don't know this play, man. You open up a bank account with a credit union, right? What you do is you open up that bank account, you get your direct deposit into that bank account and you sustain that for depending on the bank. Let me say that depending on the bank, 90 to 120 days. You do that and then you go and ask for an unsecured loan from them, unsecured credit card. You apply for the credit card with that credit union because all they care about is they care about the building the relationship because they're not for profit, they're member owned, right? So when you build that relationship with the credit union, they don't care as much about the fine details of your credit profile as a Bank of America would or as a Chase would or somebody like that. All they're looking for is to make sure that you have money coming in that you're avoiding overdrafts and that you're maintaining a decent amount of money in your account from month to month. You do that, they'll easily pop you out with, depending on what your typical balance is in there, anywhere from as little as 2000 to as much as $10,000, man. And that'll put you on a road just because you've gotten access to the higher line of credit through a, through a credit union where the underwriting guidelines are not as stringent and, and as crazy as these other higher tier banks. And man, and most people don't know that at all, but that's a long-term play because you're looking for that long-term benefit and how can you grow the faster? Because when you got that, it's going to make it easier for you to get into those top tier banks, like your Bank of America, your, your PNC and all of these other banks and stuff like that, man. So that's the play, bro. Woo! That's the play. Boy, now that was... That one was hot. Hey, I hope y'all wrote that down. If not, go back and listen to that because he's spot on. He is spot on. Even from my personal experience, bro, because I've done loans at credit unions. I've done them at retail banks, some of the mm -hmm. largest ones. And you spot on because that relationship is so different. They're not regulated the same. They're much more lenient, like you said. So, no, you spot on. But that was a million dollars. What the, what's the game right there? <laughs> at least a couple hundred thousand worth. I can definitely tell Man, you that. Man, at least, brother. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely at tell least. you that. So, jumping into business credit, because I know that's been your main focus here. 
these last yeah, few months, bro. So tell me about your foray into business credit, because I know how you got into the personal credit. Man, it really came from most of my most of pretty much anything I teach, bro, is through some level of experience. So like I told you, like in my intro, all that money, man, that I lost and I blew and trying to save a business and trying to build it and not realizing how much it was going to actually require to build and save a business. So I blew through my savings trying to do that, which was completely irresponsible. And so I didn't know about business credit at the time. You know what I'm saying? So what I did was put everything on the line trying to save my business or whatever the case when if I would have been smarter, I would have taken that same money and started using it to start to build up and make my business foundation more credible, make it stronger so that way I could go and get that business funding. Then even if the business was to go south, my personal credit, when I had that excellent score, or whatever at the time would have been safe. Mm-hmm. What I even could have did. I don't let me go ahead and say this. I don't recommend this to nobody. I'm not saying that anybody should do this. You could have transferred some of that debt from my personal side that I was accumulating, moved it over to the business side. And like I said before, at least at that point in time, even if everything was to come crashing down, my family and my finances and my credit and all of that other stuff that I was dealing with personally would have been safe and protected. And I wouldn't have had to go through that moment, man, of literally going through financial disaster. And so- I was like, man, if I'm going to continue this business thing, this entrepreneurial journey, I got to figure out the smarter ways to do it. And coming to find out the majority of businesses that fail is always because of a lack of capital. And I'm like, that's a problem. That's a major problem for any type of entrepreneur, any type of business owner in any field. So after I pretty much mastered personal credit, I was like, I need to really dive into this. So what I do, man, I'm a course junkie. I get into the courses. I hop on YouTube and what I do, man, I always find for the top experts. I'm finna learn from them. I'm finna get their stuff or whatever. Then I start applying different things or whatever, man. And next thing you know, what I come to find out, man, it was actually pretty simple. It's very, it's very, it's very straightforward. And like people, I'm different, bro. People like to make business credit sound like this mythical, only <laughs> a certain handful of people can get it. It's really only one or two ways to get it. And majority of it is the same. There's a shortcut using personal credit, but 80%, 85% of the journey is the same. And regardless of what route you go at some point in time, when you start to get those big boy lines of credit or whatever, you're going to need your personal credit. But at the same time, even in, even But regardless of that, there's so much more that you can do there. So that way you don't have to risk it all when it comes to building and developing your business or whatever, and still be able to use other people's money to start, build or grow a business without all the risk. This is actually the third episode that I've had a business owner come and talk about business credit or mention it, should I say, during the end. The one thing that I always keep reiterating, the point that I always hit home with is you pay cash in your personal life and you finance your business with other people's money. Absolutely. Because to your point, he can't create another John Trump, at least not the exact same way. He can't clone himself. Nah. <laughs> I got to say, I don't know if y'all got a little son or something on the way, but <laughs> nah, I'm messing with you. But nah, he can't create another John Trump, but you could always create another business. 100%. You, you can, can always that boy another. from nothing. Yep. You can always do that. And so that's what I'm getting at when I always talk about hey pay cash in your personal finance your business you can do whatever you want because everybody's situation is different but just from a very basic standpoint if you follow that tenant you don't 
take on all that extra risk like you were mentioning absolutely bro it's so crazy and this is gonna be a terrible plug but it's on purpose so bro you gave us all this good information <laughs> bro you ain't never wrote no book or nothing about it? it's funny you mentioned that i know it's <laughs> cut off though but i know you see a plethora of books behind your book there on the banner man and matter of fact we got a couple of ebooks out there man and even more so beyond that i also have like my courses and things like that man where i teach this stuff literally man from start to finish and so I did that, man, with the intention of helping people who are just like myself. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I get four or five pages in a certain stuff, and then it's starting to leave me as it's coming in. As I was doing the book, I thought about that, and I was like, man, you know what else I should do? I should make this course. So that way I make it easier. And so I get on my computer, bro, and I literally walk people on screen step by step. It's dummy proof, bro. It's literally click as I click, fill mm -hmm. in the information as it pertains to you, but follow my mouse, mm -hmm. name your business, what you want to name it, but avoiding these mistakes when doing so. All right. Mm -hmm. When you go and get your domain or whatever. All right. This is where you can go and get it. This is what you shouldn't do when you're getting your domain. All right. You name this thing. These are the categories that you want to avoid in the beginning. You want to avoid being high risk. You want to make sure that you don't have a domain name or making sure that you're not doing other things that would throw you into that, that category of being a high risk industry. So I do it that way, man. So that way there's no excuse. There's no excuse, man. And I even walk you through some of the stuff, man, you don't hear most people talking about like when it comes down to having a strong bank rating or making sure that your bin file number and stuff like that is set up. All of these different elements, man, what it does is the stronger you make your foundation when building business credit, if you avoid skipping steps and you go through the portion of building up that strong bank credit and making sure your foundation is strong, what you're trying to do is when you go apply for business funding or business credit, you're trying to get those automated approvals. So that way you don't get put into a position where somebody has to physically underwrite your loans or physically underwrite your credit approvals and you can slide through with minimal friction, just by making sure that you have everything in place, it, it literally puts them in a position where you seem less fraud. And now they can be like, hey, boom, this person got all this stuff right there. We just going to prove them. We don't need to see all that other extra stuff. And that's what we're trying to do. Be so strong, so solid that you can get those automated approvals that come back in the next three to five minutes rather than Oh, no, nah, boss, it's going to take you 48, 72 hours because somebody got to sit down and review this during business hours. <laughs> Understood. So that's no, the that play, bro. No, that's, that's actually a great point. You want to you want the least amount of eyes on your stuff as possible when it comes to loans. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. That was absolute jam, bro. Because I'm sitting here just thinking about it. And I'm like, that's a long rule. Number one, just get the least amount of eyes possible because the more people have to look at it, the more they're going to find something. Mm hmm. What people don't get, man, is like bank. They crap. I don't know if they study NLP or psychology or whatever, man. They be sitting over there, man, just shooting the breeze with you, man, asking you questions or whatever. But you don't even know that they probing. Asking, oh, what are you doing your business and stuff like this? Not even realize what you say the wrong thing. They finna sit here and code you over the phone. Bro, you know you what know, I'm saying? Boom. Next thing you know, <laughs> you know me as a loan officer, bro. That's actually why I've taken this foray into psychology, because right. that's what I just ended up finding out I have a neck for over time mm -hmm. is being able to understand what somebody's not telling me and how that relates to their behaviors. Because I need to know like what it is that you're not telling me 
so I can figure out who you really are. Right. Or again, getting so lost in those casual conversations that you don't really understand that they they're not just having this casual, nice conversation with you for no reason. They want you to be real comfortable so you can say something you're not supposed to say. And I tell my clients all the time, if they ain't asked for it, don't give it to them and don't give no more than what they ask for. And if it's a very specific question, I already have a very specific answer for them. I give you an example. I'm looking at a credit report and I see that they have a BMW financial up there. BMW, I was like, man, who got that nice car? What kind of car is that? Yeah, they were mm-hmm. like, man, a seven series. I was like, yeah, they good for about a hundred. <laughs> yeah, oh, somebody hit them in the head for a hundred. And then looking at, and, and here go a crazy thing, bro, is it, people don't understand, bro, that a credit report and a consumer report are two totally different things. Absolutely. And a consumer report, you asking a question like that, is a consumer report question mm-hmm. because now you can take the information that a person just said and you can gear that and shift it towards the character of that person, their credit worthiness. You can throw that into about four other categories under the consumer report, not just under that physical credit report that most people see. And people do not know that yep. there's so many different gauges, man, under the consumer report that extends so much further beyond the credit report. And so when people are going through, let's say if you're going through like a manual underwriting process or something like that, there's so many things that can actually be geared against you, but also that can work in your favor if you give people very specific intentional information and don't give them no more than what they ask for. Matter of fact, bro, I actually got an example of that. One thing that really kills people off when you were talking about it can help them and hurt them. And actually, you can touch on your opinion. I think we actually had a conversation about this before. People getting their utilities reported. Oh, my God, boy. So in the context where I'm talking about it helping and hurting you. So some people, they were like, hey, I'm renting or I'm paying these utilities. And this is showing that I have good payment history, not understanding that these things are getting counted into the debt to income ratio. I'm looking at it like I'm seeing it. It'll tell me it's a 30-day account or whatever the case may be. But tell me your standpoint from... (laughs) First off, man, listen, brother. Okay. Okay. Let's get into this one. Because I, oh, I get so many people that be like, oh, you can add your Netflix payment to your credit report so they can report those on-time payments. And people be over here again, trying to chase down getting their score improved, but they don't realize that they are harming the credit profile when you do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get a score, but like you said, most people have no clue exactly what their DTI is or your debt to income ratio. So you get over there and you go and get this account. And now they're adding whatever that monthly payment is to your overall debt to income ratio, because now that account is open. Not to mention, there's only five data points when it comes to the credit report. And those are revolving accounts and those are installment accounts, right? There's only those two. So anything that is outside of those two types of accounts, it gets categorized as unknown. Now, when unknown populates on a credit report, it doesn't just say unknown. It says unknown collection account. It has all of these other different charge off payment plan. It has all of these other subcategories because they, the system, the softwares don't know how to categorize this account because it's not revolving. It's not an installment account. And now what happens is when you go to apply for a loan, it gets flagged because now 
It says collection on it and it's recent and it's open and it's active because you're paying on it. So you just got this artificial score boost, which probably only will help your Vantage score, but it doesn't benefit the FICO score at all. So you really just damaged and trashed your credit profile by adding these utility bills and these Netflix accounts and the freaking worst of them all, God doggone Experian boost. <laughs> Jesus Christ, like just throw the whole product away. You know what I'm saying? Because you're literally sabotaging your credit. And the only people who would even remotely look at these and give any level of value to it is going to be these subprime auto lenders where you can buy here, pay here, no credit, bad credit, whatever, where they don't care. The types of loans that people should be staying away from anyway. And it it hurts people so much more than what they know. And then not to mention that is because it's an open account that more than likely you're keeping in good tolerance. If you decide you want to get it off, you're going to go through hell. It's going to take so much effort to get that account off because it's probably in good tolerance. There's no benefit for them getting it off because you can't settle that account. You can't negotiate that account. After it's on there, it's on there. Not to say that it can't be removed, but it's a whole lot more difficult and you got to buckle up for that ride because it ain't going to be an easy one. Speaking of which, and getting stuff off. So I told you I'm going to do a credit episode, but since I have you here, I want to go ahead and address this now. Bottom line, all for all, because people need to know this. I get this question a lot. Do collections impact your score or getting collections off impact your score? It depends. It's one of those it depends type questions right there. Now, the score itself, you can get a collection off. Let's, you have to view how it looks. For example, let's say you have a collection account from U.S. Bank. They have an internal debt collection process. So on the credit report, what it's going to look like, it's going to say charge off and collection. So it's populating as both on there. Now, let's say that's a revolving account, right? Now, because it's on there and it's being, and this is actually completely illegal, which is what we kind of use in order to help get it removed. But anyway, that's another question. But now that it's populating on there as charge off slash collection, you're still getting the damage of it being a collection, but now you're also getting the damage of it being a charge off because now your utilization is still high because when it goes to being charged off, they still account for it on your overall utilization. Mm -hmm. So in a situation like that, getting that account removed, it can possibly, possibly, depending on other data points in the credit profile, increase your score. However, it can also hurt you because let's say you've had that account for seven, eight years. Let's say you've had that account for a lot of years and you had a bad year and now you get that, that account removed and your score dropped 50, 60, 70 points. Now, what you might have done is you might have cleaned up your profile, which is always a good thing, but now you might have just also hurt your score. But for most people, let's say if it's a medical collection, taking a medical collection off your credit report is not going to improve your score. It's not going to do it. Most people that have stuff like that, repos that have been sold, removing it is not going to increase your score. It'll beautify your score, it'll beautify the profile. But for uh, most people, Removing collection is not going to increase their score. All it does is now it amplifies the positive accounts on your credit profile, which helps your score, or it'll flatline. 
It'll completely flatline. Like it won't necessarily go up much or it won't go down much. It'll just stay stagnant because all it does, it amplifies the value of what's already there. No, great answer, bro. Hey, y'all will hear this again when I do the creative episode. So the way that I normally explain that to people, bro, I said, think about if you got a brand new Mercedes. Matter of fact, bro, we're going to touch on Turo a little bit just a minute too, okay? We're going to touch on that. But you got a brand new Mercedes. You drive it off the lot. You turn the corner, get a flat tire. You put the donut on it to drive it to get the tire fixed. And somebody's going to see you in that brand new Mercedes and be like, man, look at that raggedy Mercedes with a donut on it. Mm -hmm. Nothing's wrong with the car. The damage was actually the flat tire, not the donut. But it makes it appear worse than it actually is. And that donut being on your car has no real impact on if the car is raggedy or not but it just makes right. it appear that way at that mm-hmm. point it and still so, drives exactly <laughs> and that's the way that i explain collections because they're not actually going to do anything at that point for the most part which is with the exception of the example you gave let me say that i'm more so speaking because a lot of people have medical collections so it's not going to do anything with you could drive the mercedes with the donut on it <laughs> Because what a lot of things I talk to people about is let's take care of everything first and everything that's open. Let's take mm-hmm. care of that. And then let's go after those if you still just want to or whatever the case may be on it, because it's not going to really do anything for it. Make it look better. I would like to look better without a donut on your Mercedes, but absolutely you drive it either way. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, no, definitely. Thank you for kind of answering that. And sometimes, man, yeah. I'll say too, like just to back that. Yeah. Every, man, every credit profile is so like it's different. different. It's so different. So like to anybody that's listening to all the listeners, understand that even in a lot of this information, your situation may be completely unique and different. And mm-hmm. some of these things may not apply to you mm-hmm. because, again, like you said, like you could have a particular type of collection on there that could necessarily be hurting you versus mm-hmm. most people who have them that aren't hurting them so much. And so you really have to have a very clear understanding of what's happening on your profile, because, again, you can have a collection that's been on your credit report five years. Leave that mug alone. Don't even mess with it. That thing six years old. Leave that collection alone. I know it seems ugly because it's on there, but boss, let that thing fall off naturally. You know what I'm saying? It ain't stopping you from getting no mortgage. It ain't stopping you from getting no car loan. It ain't stopping up. It's just ugly on your credit report. Now, if you're sitting over here and let's say you got a, a $20,000, $30,000 collection on your credit report, yeah, ain't lie. Nine times out of 10, somebody probably going to be looking for you for one of them joints. Yeah. But then at the same time, if that thing is newer within 12, 24 months, it's not necessarily hurting your score, so to say, but it's definitely hurting your profile at an extent to where that could stop you from being able to get approved for different types of loans and different things like that, depending on what else is happening in your credit profile. And again, that's not even that's not even a score problem. That's a profile problem. So people just have to take all of that stuff into consideration. Matter of fact, bro, to reiterate that point. So a lot of times, like in the mortgage world where we see a score being OK, but the story behind the score not being okay, especially in mm-hmm. 12 to 24 months, when a lot of people come out of bankruptcy, they have great scores once they have come out of that discharge. But a lot of times you still have to have that bankruptcy discharge for two years and show pay- positive payment history for at least 12 months 
coming out of that bankruptcy. And I don't care if you have an 800, that doesn't matter at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It has it been 24 months since the discharge? Segwaying into a Mercedes. But tell me about Turo and you getting into Turo. But matter of fact, actually, before you even say it, bro, it was so funny. So you remember, I, it was a few months ago. And I had posted, uh, I had posted one of my funny videos. I made a guy talking about financing the Dodge Charger. I think it was a yeah. Hellcat for financing. What was yeah, it, like yeah. 10 I remember years? that. Or, or it was some like extremely long. I think it was 96 months or something. What was, I can't even remember what it was. It was or 300. It was a real crazy post. I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, and Tron had commented on it and was talking about how you could leverage that to make some money about it. And then I think. The next conversation we had, you had told me that you were in the Turo. And I was like, oh, that's why you're so passionate. Because the one thing that I will say about Tron, he doesn't like just talk like nonsense just for the the hell of hearing himself talk. <laughs> like whenever he's saying something, it has a purpose behind it. And when you were telling me, like, because I was like, yeah. I'm, and then as soon as you popped out with the Turo joint, and so I was like, ah, okay. He's been in the studio. I was like, all right. right, right. He's been in the lab on it. So tell me about how you got into the Turo, man. Man, okay, first off, I'm just I'm gonna keep it all the way real yeah. with you. Like I'm a, all the list, I don't sugarcoat nothing, man. I'm probably one of the most transparent people you'll ever meet. First off, one of the main reasons why I got rid of the car that I had before mm-hmm. is because it reminded me of the struggles that I was going through when all hell was breaking loose in my life. Right. And I felt like I needed a car that matched who I am today, which is why. I went and got like the Mercedes or whatever. Now, segueing that into Turo, like you said, like now nah, this is coming from having an Impala to an E-Class or whatever. Now I'm sitting over here and I'm like, hey, hold up now. I ain't just about to be stupid with this because this payment it just went up a few hundred dollars or whatever. So now how can I supplement? How can I make this thing uh, not just in, in liability, but I can make it an asset? So now I'm like, okay, I want to drive a nicer car. I'm able to afford it. But let me also make this thing make some money. And now I can use it for branding also. Mm-hmm. So I went and got the professionals pick pictures taken or whatever. And man, to be honest, bro, I really did that just because I knew that if I set up the profile a certain way, I used a certain type of language, it would attract a mm-hmm. certain type of demographic of people Absolutely. that it would allow me to be able to build relationships with through the car. And man, it landed me in front of other business owners, hospital oh, executives. Oh, oh different types of things or whatever, because I didn't want it to just, I'm not finna just iPhone that thing. I want this nope. to be eye-catching to a certain demographic of people. So I nope. did that really looking to create relationships and to also be able to supplement, to be able to make sense of like the payments and different things like that. So the profit that I make off of that nope. really just throws me right back to either around about where I was before or it pays for it completely. You know what I mean? So I was working it from a number of different angles as far as how I was branding myself, how I was building relationships, and also on a personal level as far as doing something, having something that matched how I feel about who I am, the man that I am today compared to who I was at that point in time when I bought that car and it was completely out of fear. And I I know that may not be the answer you was looking for, brother, but that's the real full story answer, man, that covers all of the different elements that play into that becoming a thing. Yeah, nah, bro, because that's dope. Once again, bro, I know they probably tired of me saying this because I'm always talking about some episode that I'm going to do, and I'm going to do an episode on leasing versus buying cars. And yeah. one of the things that I'm, I talk about in there is about you being able to lease a vehicle or 
pay it and then you have a either you lease the vehicle and then you have a car that you already purchased or that's paid for and you right. can run the Turo and that one pays for that lease vehicle for you. So that's why I was interested in hitting the Turo because I wanted to touch on that because it's going to be a little precursor. So y'all get, get ready for that one when we talk yes, about sir. leasing versus and buying. Bro, because I, I don't want to hold you up too terribly long. Nah, so credit-wise, kind of jumping back in that direction with it. What's the biggest thing that seems to be problematic for people making it entirely through the process? Because I know you mentioned it can be three to six months, sometimes nine months longer. What do you run into most that stops people from being able to see that all the way through? So, man, first off, I'll say the credit game has changed a lot when it comes to credit repair because there's so many people doing it now. So about two years ago, three years ago, man, you could clear a profile, man, in three months, six months, like it was nothing. Now, on average, it's eight to 10 months, Mm -hmm. sometimes a little more than 12. That's like that's across the board from people who I know who have multimillion dollar operations everything bro like right now across the board because the credit bureaus are under such fire so much stuff is happening right now and changing up across the board financially and in the economy the credit repair process man is taking anywhere from like i said eight to ten months on the average but it's definitely lasting a little bit or a little bit longer than what it used to a few years ago and on top of that a lot of things that used to work don't work no more now when it comes to people not actually completing the process of what stops them. What really gets people, bro, is the fact that they get so adamant about watching the score go up and feel like it's supposed to go up every single month and not understanding that this is a process. And now we're trying to completely reshape a story that's being created about you. And the reason why, particularly me, bro, in my program, I turn away way more people than I accept. Because if you can't be okay with that part right there, the fact that you have to change some habits in a way that you look at credit altogether, then I'm not for you. Because when I'm coaching you, because you'll see something, man. I had a client one time, score went up 90 points in 30 days or whatever. And then it dropped like 120 points or whatever. And it had nothing to do with the stuff being removed, but it was more so about the fact that we were getting certain things off or whatever. But as more stuff was coming off because they had so many negative accounts, the score dropped and now we had to go back in the credit building. And so it's, it's this roller coaster and some people can't stomach that. And because they're focused so much on the score rather than how am I improving my actual credit profile? to where banks and lenders will look at me in a different light across the board. And if they can't be okay with that, then they're going to have a hard time. Mm, Okay. No, that makes sense. Sound about right. Bro, in that same vein, did you see that shorty that just got arrested for the fake police reports? Man, listen, dog. Yeah. So in case anybody didn't see, I want to say she was out of Atlanta. That could just be me because I always feel like them stories come out of Atlanta. The identity theft claims and all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what was happening, and please beware of credit repair agencies that do these kind of things. So one of the old ways that, to be totally honest, while we're being transparent, this was the way that was extremely popular when I initially got into credit repair. It was not something I did, but it was extremely popular. This was around like 2012, 2013 timeframe. So what would essentially happen is you would go find a credit repair agent. They would get all your accounts. They would 
say that they were fraudulent <coughs> accounts that somebody else opened them up in your name they will add a fake police report to it and by fake it will be a real police report and they would just reproduce it and add your information to it and then they send that into the credit bureau and it almost instantly gets everything off and what that does one is just fraudulent just obviously two the problem is it creates a problem for people like strong who are running reputable businesses because it seems like you're not being as productive as this person who can get it off in 30 days or 60 yeah know what they call a, a they call them a credit suite oh 30 days 60 day removals and people don't know what's really happening and they it put them in a real bad spot a real bad spot no absolutely bro i thought that was crazy i was because i think i seen something like 1.3 million they was hitting her for something crazy i don't even know what it was what people for. don't know man and this is this a lot of people don't talk about this man but you can actually let's say you go through something fraudulent like that man you can get accounts cemented onto your credit profile because now you're looked at as a high-risk borrower meaning that now nothing can be removed from your credit profile without a whole thorough investigations probably getting attorneys involved, all type of stuff, because it could literally be cemented to your credit profile and you have to go through all types of litigation in order to try to get that removed. And it will have to be something that's a legitimate identity theft or something of the sort, because it can happen, bro. Like people go through this crazy stuff and next thing you stuck with it. Also speaking of changes, one of the biggest changes that came from those kind of, I think you said credit sweeps, that I noticed in the industry was there was a time frame when they were like, if you're going to apply for something, go and dispute everything because if you dispute it, they can't count it against you. And now they won't even approve anything until the disputes are closed. Uh, clear. Yeah. And I was like, yep. that is crazy. Yeah. And like you said, bro, that worked four or five years ago. Now, sir, and they changing up all the, and this is why bro, I teach people about the habits and stuff like that, because all the hacks that used to work, they ain't hacking like they used to hack. No, bro. absolutely like, not. They're not, not working like they used to no more. And it's making people very upset because what they did was they missed out on the opportunity and the lifetime of that opportunity. And now they feel like, oh, because it worked for my guy or my girl or whoever the case. And they think they're going to get that same love in 2022. No. And nah, brother, you're not getting it like that. No, the game no. has changed. Absolutely. No, that's great information, bro. And wrapping up here, bro, tell the people, how to find you, your social media, websites, all that good stuff. I'm on Instagram at Tron So Driven. That is T-R, T as in Tom or, or Tango from other military people out there. T-R-O-N-E, So Driven, D-R-I-V-E-N. You can find me on there. I post a lot of free content, really just educating people there. You can also find me on Facebook at John Tron. You can also type in Tron So Driven there as well. I'm available there. And if you want to look up any of my other products or services or anything like that, or you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can go to work with Tron forward slash quick links. And that takes you to all of my eBooks. That takes you to all of my services, everything that I have available. You can get, you can get it all right there. Nah, that's dope, brother. That's dope, man. Once again, bro, I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you blessing the audience with the gems, bro. I love you. You is my man's, my guy, my brother. Thank you, brother. It's yeah, an honor. Nah, absolutely, bro. So until next time, man, y'all make sure y'all stay up on your training. Also, I didn't say it, but of course, all his social media will be down in the description to the episode. Also, one thing I forgot to mention too, y'all have actually heard his commercials in quite a few of my episodes, because I think it's been in 10 <laughs> episodes. So that was 
this is who that commercial was, okay, on y'all. So make sure y'all go back, listen to those episodes if you hadn't, get his information. Until next time, y'all be easy, and I will get at y'all. Young millionaires and dreams.